Hey, isn't it cool seeing all these kids in these shirts over here today? I wore mine. Hey, thanks for being a church that invests in students. You know, um, it's worth it to invest in the next generation and raise up gospel-focused students. And I'll tell you, it's worth it. In fact, today, one of my prayers is, is that every one of us who follow Jesus, that we are completely confident to follow the Lord in our lives. I I want you to know that you can be confident as you serve the Lord. So many people struggle to be witnesses for Christ, struggle to speak up about Jesus. And, and you know, granted, we've been talking about how we're living in a culture that's becoming more and more antagonistic to our faith. We've seen this over and over again as we've looked at these, uh, just processed things in the Word in the last few weeks. But, But let's not forget that God is at work in the world. God's at work through us, in us. And and nothing stops the work of God. It's my prayer today that we walk out of here completely confident and passionate to serve the Lord, every one of us. You know, we've been in the book of Acts, and today, if you have your Bibles, we're in Acts 28. I want you to turn there, but, but let's think about the book of Acts for a second. You know, we finished it this week, early this week, but, but you, you know, when I, when I look at the, the book of Acts and just take a a big picture look at it, you see God at work in amazing ways. And, and remember how the book starts, Acts 1, verse 8, that's when Jesus resurrected Christ was with his disciples. So look, he had their attention, right? I mean, because they'd watched him die and he'd risen from the dead. I would argue, what you got, Jesus? I'm listening. That's exactly what they, their posture you remember the last thing he said in Acts 1.8? He looked at them and he says, um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and then right before their eyes, he ascended into heaven. I mean, you'd be, I mean you talk about changing your life in a moment to be like, Whoa. Uh, but then processing what he just said. And then you see in the, as the book of Acts unfolds, you see that happening. You see God giving them power. And what happened is you see in the book of Acts the beginning of the church. And, and you see Luke writing the book of Acts, and you watch the people of God all through the book, and, and over and over again, God gives them power to do things like they, they get, God gave them power to come together. And the church came together. There were Jews and Gentiles that came together, which is absolutely fascinating. You you see God bringing the church to to work together. And they worked together to serve the Lord. They they came together in the church and they overcame challenges. You see this over and over again in the book of Acts. You you see them becoming witnesses, the, the, the people of God becoming witnesses. And regardless of the, of the difficulty, the persecution, they had power over and over again. And, and this morning, I want us to really consider the ending of Acts. 
because I think God really has something for us today. Let's, let's just read 28 through 31 in Acts 28. Would you stand with me and let's just read the word of God to, today. And I, I'm really going to be focusing in on verse 28 because I think this is just really uh, uh, something we need to put a magnifying glass on. But let's look at 28 through 31. Verse 28, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. May be seated. Now, now if, you know, if you don't know a lot about Paul, Apostle Paul is right here. If you don't know a lot about him, one of the things that's obvious in his life is that he really wanted to get to Rome. And that's very interesting about him. He was like, I got to get to Rome to share the gospel. And that makes sense because Rome was like the the Mecca of the world. All the things came out from Rome. And, and, it was, and Paul saw that, man, if I can get to Rome and share the gospel, that, man, we could really make a big impact here. But, um, but it's interesting. I want you to look at Acts 28, 15. There's something very interesting here. Because, uh, you know, one of the things we know about Paul is that he wrote the book of Romans two years before he shows up in Rome. So he had, he had written Romans two years earlier, and, and he had discovered, man, the believers are already in Rome, that the gospel beat him to Rome, which I think it, it's really cool that by the time Paul gets there, the church in Rome was pretty well established, and it was known for their faith and their loyalty to, to Christ. And, and, and some say it's like likely one of the, the earliest churches outside of um, uh, Judea and, and Syria that, that, that um, they, they were one of the first really good, strong churches. But look at Acts 28, 15. This is so very fascinating. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius to the three taverns to meet us. And notice this, at the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Now, now what's so very fascinating about this is that we, we, we spotlight these great leaders like Paul and Peter. And you know, it's easy to look at, at known leaders and go, man, those are, those are really good leaders that advance the gospel. But I think it's very important to note that the gospel got to Rome before Paul got there. That it was the church, it was, it was just normal people that, that, that took the gospel seriously. Probably they were saved at Pentecost and went back to Rome and the church began to grow and it's so very encouraging and incredible that this group of people just known as the brothers and sisters. How cool would it be to get to heaven and meet these people that led the way in sharing the gospel in Rome? And so I want, I want us to notice something as, as, the, 
as just Paul entered Rome, look at verse 17. You see kind of what happened there as Paul goes to Rome. Three days later, after, he, after these brothers and sisters encouraged him, three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against our customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. I think this is very important that Paul says to, he's talking to the Jewish leaders and and they they came to hear him. And he's like, look, I didn't do anything against uh, our customs. I didn't do anything against our ancestors. Look at verse 18. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I've asked to see and talk with you. Notice what he says at the end of verse 20. It is because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. Now, now this is very important because he's talking to Jewish leaders, and he says, I want you Jewish leaders to know that it's the hope of Israel. Israel, that I am bound. What's the hope of Israel? It was Jesus. It was Jesus that was the hope of Israel. It was Jesus that, that was predicted by the prophets, that a Messiah was going to come, and, and, and that, that it was Jesus who would, like Isaiah said, he would be pierced for our transgressions. He would be crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that would bring us peace would be on him, and by his wounds we've been healed. Isaiah said. And so Paul stands before his brothers and he is confident. And he says, look, um, the hope of Israel is why I'm locked up. And look at verse 23. They, argue, they arranged to meet with Paul on a certain day. So what's interesting is they were, they were like, I want, I want to meet with him. They arranged it to meet with him, with Paul on a certain day and came in even larger and larger numbers to, where, to the place where he was staying. You know what you see here? Point number one is obvious to me, and I want us to feel it, and I want us to recognize it, and I want us to understand it. Even as we live in a time when it's going to become more and more difficult to take a stand for Christ, it's going to cost us more to take a stand for Christ. Let's not forget this. And point number one is clear, that the historic gospel message is unstoppable. I want you to know that. The message of the gospel is absolutely unstoppable. Look, Look what happens. Larger numbers come to the place where you stay, and he witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. He's talking about, hey, look, there's a coming kingdom. God's at work. He says, from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Verse 24, some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. And and this is where they're wrestling. And he, he boldly looks at them and says, the Holy Spirit spoke truth to your ancestors when he said through the prophet, 
through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. What's I, what Paul's doing here, he's quoting Isaiah 6. And Isaiah 6 is that incredible passage when Isaiah saw the Lord and he talks about the children of Israel, they're going to have eyes, but they're not going to see. They're going to have ears, but they're going to refuse to hear. They're going to allow their hearts to be calloused. And you know what? This is a tendency of God's people. And you know what? This Old Testament reference here that Paul makes, it's something we ought to consider. Do you realize it's possible to close your eyes to the work of God? Do you know it's possible to stop your ears the work of God? Do you know that it's possible to get your heart calloused to the work of God? Hey, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't have eyes that refuse to see him. Look, we're, we're warned about having ears that refuse to hear him. We're warned about having a heart that is calloused to the work of God. You can plug your eyes to the Lord. You can close your eyes to the Lord. You can plug your ears to the Lord. Don't do that. You can make your heart callous to the Lord. Don't do that. You know what, you know what it feels like? It feels like Paul is right here is recapping Romans 1. Remember, he wrote the book of Romans two years earlier and sent it. In Romans chapter 1, he's talking about those Jews and Gentiles alike who who look at God and say, I don't want to listen to you. It talks about the results of those in Romans 1. You got to flip over to Romans 1, 27, or excuse me, 20, 21. I want you to see this. Because Paul talks about people that are like this. And I think he's recapping this. He says, for although they knew God, verse 21 in Romans 1, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Don't we have a tendency to worship other stuff than God? Whether it's ourselves or whether it's something we create. Verse 24 in Romans 1. One of the scariest realities of Scripture, therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. You know what, Paul is in, in front of these Jewish leaders and he's like, hey guys, you have calloused your heart. You have closed your ears. You have shut your eyes. Don't do that. But on the positive side, look at the last thing he says. In, in, go turn back to Acts 28. 
Last thing he says there, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. You know what you see here? You can turn to Jesus. Turn to him. Man, are are you, are you right now one of those people with your ears like this to God? Or like this to God? With a heart that's callous to the Lord? And Paul's talking to a bunch of people that did that. Now, now it's interesting is the, the, it's interesting that the book of Acts ends with 28 through 31. Now, the ending of Acts, you would think that Luke would have said, let me tell you what happened to Paul. But he doesn't. It ends with uh, this statement that Paul said, therefore, let it be known that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they'll listen. And then he taught for two years. Now, now, Luke doesn't tell us how Paul died, but one of the things we know about Paul, we understand from history that two years before Paul got to Rome, he wrote the book of Romans. And then most scholars agree that that Paul was released after this two-year period. He was released. And um, and they, they kind of the track of Paul's life, if you've never looked into that, Paul went and visited Ephesus after this, that's when he put Timothy in there, and then he left for Macedonia. First uh, Timothy 1.3 points to this. Then he left Titus uh, to complete the missionary work. Titus 1 talks about this. He went to Spain after this. And then right after this, in like 63-64, that's when Nero began the persecution of Christians. And a lot of people believe at that point Paul was arrested again you, this kind of makes sense because he was a prisoner in Rome. Second Timothy 1 point, points to this, and then, then he, he got beheaded, probably by Nero. But it's so very interesting that Acts doesn't go to that. Acts just ends, look at verse 28, with this incredible revelation that I want us to feel for a few minutes. Look at it. Paul says, therefore, let it be known to you. And and as I was wrestling with this this week, I thought, man, I think this is something our church needs to really know. That I need to really know. This is one of those moments that God's word says, let this be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent. Let's just think about that for a minute. The salvation of God has been sent. You know, folks, I pray we recognize that when we share the gospel with somebody, when we stand as a witness, that the gospel that we're sharing is not coming just from us. It was sent before we even showed up. See, Jesus was sent. Let's think about that. Paul was certain that Jesus was the Messiah. 
He was certain that Jesus was the one that all the prophets talked about, that, that it was his death on the cross that paid the price for sin. He was certain about that. Jesus was sent to the world. And we know who Jesus was. It was certain that he was God because he rose from the dead, folks. Who, who else could do that? All those people saw him, and, and when, it, when it comes to the history of the world, it's only Jesus who rose from the dead. There's a lot of people that believe a lot of things about God, but can I tell you, there's only one who rose from the dead, and that's Jesus. And let's not forget that, and let's not miss that. It's one of the reasons why the gospel is unstoppable, and Paul was certain about this. And, and you know what, Paul, Paul, got, Paul experienced forgiveness And it was only Jesus who had the power of forgiveness. Folks, Jesus was sent. The gospel is unstoppable. But also the the Holy Spirit is sent. And all through the Acts, you see the Holy Spirit coming in power. And and can I I just remind us that that the Holy Spirit is continuing to come in power in our lives. And And regardless of the situation we're in, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Now, the Holy Spirit... He gives us the power to convict us of sin. This is one of the things the Holy Spirit does. Paul experienced the conviction of sin. I've experienced the conviction of sin. That's the Holy Spirit that convicts us that, hey, we're not, we're not living right. And that's why it's important when we're in a moment like this, as, as the Word of God is being preached, that we submit to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Paul also pointed to the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I don't want you to miss the fact that the Holy Spirit gives us power today right now to, to serve him and to walk with him and to trust him and to, and, to, and to honor him. You know, Paul was given wisdom by the Holy Spirit and, we, and we, the Holy Spirit will do the same for us. Folks, the Holy Spirit is sent. The gospel is unstoppable. And, and you know what you see here? And I, and I don't want us to miss this because I think it's so very interesting. That Paul was like, I gotta go tell him about Jesus. I gotta go live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I gotta get to Rome. And you know what? The gospel was already there. Do you know what you realize? Is that every believer is sent. And this is why I, I think it's so very interesting to recognize Acts 28 15. That Paul is there and then the believers come and strengthen him. And then right after that, he, God uses him. Let, let's, just, let's just consider what the book of Acts is about. It's about the church. The Acts talks about the start of the church, and it's easy for us to spot like, oh, you know, you got those leaders, you got, you got Paul and you got Peter, and, and they're definitely players in the church. They're definitely leaders in the church. But you know who I can't wait to hang out with in heaven? Is get to heaven and go, let's go hang out with the brothers and sisters. We don't know their names. You know, the truth is, probably every one of us, including me, I'm not going to be one of those pastors that they like Spurgeon, where they have books about my sermons. I ain't going to be that. But you know what? It's not just those guys that serve the Lord. You know where the biggest impact comes? From this group of people called the brothers and sisters. You know who that is? Us. People like us. And you know, 
I want us to look back at verse 28. Look at this. Paul says, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent, notice this, to the Gentiles. And look at what it says next. They will listen. Folks, let's not forget that lost people will listen and respond to the call of God. And I'll tell you what, man. So many believers I know are timid about being a witness for Christ. But folks, we gotta throw that away. We gotta recognize that lost people will listen and will respond to the voice of God, the call of God. Um, look, I, I watched that happen this week, Wednesday night. Um, I had a long day Wednesday. I finished a meeting at 9 o'clock, and there was a, a guy that called me, and he was, said, can I talk to you? I mean, this guy's a soldier, like a legit soldier. Navy, Army, like if there's ever a fight that breaks out, I'm going to watch and see what side he's on, and I'm going to go on that side of the fight. I'd hate to have to fight this guy. He's a man. He comes to my office, and he starts just pouring his heart out. He's like, I need, I need, I need Christ in my life. And he was in the first service. And I just went and thanked him. Because I know he got saved Wednesday, but God used him in my life as I was preparing this sermon. Hey, people respond to the gospel. We should be confident to be witnesses. Now, I'm not saying every time I talk to somebody, they respond to the gospel. A lot of times people go, no thanks. But let me tell you something. God works in ways that we can't even see. And just because you're a witness and you don't see the results, sometimes we see the results. But I want you to recognize our call to be a witness. And it's not just people that are on a platform like Paul. It's the brothers and sisters. Folks, we're all called to be a witness. And I would be no kind of good pastor in your life if I didn't say to you and help you share the gospel. Look, let's not forget that the gospel is unstoppable. Why is that? Why is the gospel message unstoppable? Why will people listen? Well, let me throw out three reasons why I think this is so true. You realize that the gospel is unstoppable because God's revelation, let me tell you something, it is obvious and it's specific. The revelation, like, like we just sang that song, So Will I. 
It points to the general revelation that generally God has revealed himself. And, and, and I, I think it's so crazy to me that, that these people that have lots of letters after their name have come up with this theory that the world just exploded and here we have life and order. That is so incredibly irrational. Because uh, how many of you have gone to a 4th of July picnic and got your favorite M80, or I think that's what they're called, and you blew something up and thought, oh, look how orderly that is. Oh, that's awesome. No, it's destructive. So, so generally, God has revealed that, look, there is a creator, there is a designer, but he didn't just leave it at that. He specifically told us who he is and what he's like. And it's fascinating as we've read through the Old Testament, we, here's this little family, uh, Abraham, that God said, I'm going to put my hand on you, and I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be my priest nation, and out of you is going to come my message to the world. And oh my goodness, this little family were blessed by God. And over and over again through history, people tried to destroy this little family. The Egyptians tried to annihilate them. The Babylonians tried to annihilate them. The Germans tried to annihilate them. And guess what we're going to do in May? We're going to Israel to visit the nation that God has just blessed. And what's fascinating is you look at the history of God's people. These prophets came out of them pointing to a Messiah. And you can look at every global map in 2023 and notice there's a people of God. There's a people called Israel and it makes no sense practically why they're still here. And yet, here they are. Folks, God has been specific revealing who he is and what he's like. The gospel is unstoppable. Paul knew it. God's revelation is obvious. It's specific. But you know why else the gospel is unstoppable? Sin never delivers. Disobedience to God, do you realize it'll never deliver for you? Paul knew that. You know that. The world knows that. Because the world is in pursuit of stuff, of things that will fill their soul. Isn't it interesting that every major, well, a lot, let me not make too big of a general statement, but a lot of the major philosophers of the world died in suicide. You notice that? Some of the greatest philosopher, human philosophers of the world died by killing themselves. Why? Because man finding the answers by themselves doesn't work. But Christ, look, sin doesn't work. What I've always heard, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It has a price tag higher than you want to pay. Folks, the, the gospel's unstoppable. And, and you know what? Um, here's, here's another thing. I mean, remember John 10.10? 10, 10? It's obvious. Remember, that's a great verse to memorize. Jesus said that the, the thief comes, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
You see, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. You see, sin doesn't work. But, but, but can I tell you about the gospel? And, and, and I want you to see this. I want you to write this down. I had to spell check it too, so you might have to see how you spell this. But this is something I just want you to ponder for the day. Did you know that, that the gospel that came to us is intellectually stimulating and existentially satisfying. Now, let me just leave that on the screen for a little bit. Let me talk about what that means. I want you to know something, and I'm so grateful that we have the student ministry that we have and the student ministry that we have and the children's ministry that we have because our students are coming. We're, we're, uh, it's fun to hear Amber and Andrew talk about how they're challenging our children and students to think. Do you realize that you, didn't, that you don't have to check your brain at the door to follow Jesus? That it is intellectually stimulating to really think about Christ, who he is and what he did. There's a reason that Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, love Christ with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Like 1 Peter 3.15, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Let me tell you, I just want to say to you, when you really think about it, it's, it's intellectually stimulating to believe in Jesus. It's also existentially satisfying. That's a fancy way. That's a a fancy way to just say it works to follow Jesus. It works in your life. It, it works not only in this life, but also the life to come. And folks, let me tell you something. There's a life to come. And here's something I want us to re- wrestle through and recognize. Following Jesus makes sense. And it's fascinating to me that the book of Acts ends. In Acts 28, 28, therefore, let it be known to you, man, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Folks, we can be confident in being a witness for Christ. And, and here's how I want to end today. It's this. These big acts of God that we see in the Bible, these big acts of God that we see through history, these big acts of God that take place in the world always involve people like us. That blows my mind. And that's something I don't want you to miss. I don't want to miss as a follower of Christ that God chooses to use me and you in this supernatural work. And it's easy to look at a guy like Paul and say, man, I wish I had his testimony. Man, I wish I had his boldness. And then we read closely in Acts chapter 28, and we recognize in verse 15 that there's this group of key people called the brothers and the sisters. 
that came to Paul before he got up to have this kind of witness, and, and they encouraged him and spurred him on to go make that stand that he made. Folks, let's be involved in the work of God. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of my role, my, my calling in your life as a pastor. It's not to do the work of ministry. It's to equip this body for the work of ministry. That's the calling of every pastor, you see, because we're called to infiltrate every part of our culture. As I look at our church, that's exactly what we do because our church members go everywhere. We leave here. We don't come here to do the mission. We leave here and go on a mission. And, and regardless of all the different pieces, uh, that, that, that we, all the places we go, we're called to be a witness everywhere. And flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And, and Joe, I want you to come up. And we're going to end. Right here, but I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, because Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He was trying to help them be a witness, and he was trying to encourage them to be confident. And, and he writes this You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our own ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And folks, you know what I pray today? I've prayed today. God, would you give us the confidence to walk out of this place and be your letter? Be your testimony. Be your witness. And, and I just want to ask us to lean into the moment here. Lean into the message here. Lean into the calling here that the gospel is unstoppable. And that God invites us to be a part of the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so let's embrace the text today. Are, are, are our ears shut off to the call of God? Are, are we shutting our eyes to the work of God? Right now, is, are our hearts softened to the Spirit of God? Because let's, let's not miss the moment. If we come to him, he'll open our eyes. He'll unplug our ears. He'll soften our hearts. Oh, let's be in the middle of the call of God. And though there's tensions in the world, oh, it's all right. He gives us power. Though there's uncertainty in our times, so what? God's called us to the moment. And though we're hearing about wars and rumors of wars, are we heading into World War III? I don't know, maybe. But God's faithful. God's called us to the moment. To live as Christ, 
To die is gain. Hey, let's get after it. Let's be the brothers and sisters. Let's be that group that's the church that's called to a place to say, hey, let's make a difference where we live. Let's walk together. Let's strengthen one another. Like, like I said at the very beginning, I'm going to read it because I've forgotten it. But over and over again, you see in the whole book of Acts, God empowered his people to love one another. Ah, let's love one another. To work together. Ah, let's work together to overcome the challenges and to be a witness. Let's, let's, here's what I want us to do. As Joe starts this invitation, I just simply want you to bow your head and close your eyes and just say, Lord, and ask these kind of three things. God, are are my eyes open? Are my ears open? Is my heart soft? Would you just bow your head right now? And as Joe starts to sing, I want you to just not miss that moment. How are your eyes? How are your ears? How's your heart? Father, confront us today. Move us today. We love you. And we need you today. And I thank you for the incredible reminder that the gospel is unstoppable. And I'm thankful that you let it known that this gospel was sent to Gentiles. Us in this room. And they'll listen. Ah, may we never forget that. We love you, Jesus. Move us now. Amen.